This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Are you suffering from buckling, from heaving? I'm talking about your house's foundation. And coming up on this edition of Vancouver Consumer, we're going to talk about your house's foundation and uh, also the concrete around your home. I'm Martin Strong. We'll be talking to the folks at True Level Concrete. But first, here's some of the consumer news headlines. We got a glimpse this week of how the skyline of Vancouver at the foot of the Burrard Bridge will soon look like. For years, the site of the old Molson Brewery has been boarded up pretty much on Burrard Street. This past week, some artist renderings were leaked to the media, showing what Concord Pacific has in mind for the site, and it's pretty ambitious. Quantum Park will include 300,000 square feet of office, retail, and restaurant space, with 3,000 residences built up in towers near the south end of the Burrard Bridge. Its height will reach anywhere from 15 to 25 stories. Horizontal sky bridges and multi-story podiums will connect the buildings. It will also include a number of rooftop gardens and green spaces. Canada's top doctor has updated her COVID mask recommendations this week. Dr. Teresa Tam now says the masks that we are wearing should actually be at least three layers. Tam says now that we're spending a lot more time inside because of the winter, a three-layer mask offers the best protection. She says if you're already using a two-layer mask, you don't need to throw it away. Just ask or just add rather a third layer of filter-type material like polypropylene fabric. I'm not exactly sure what that is but it sounds like it'll provide some protection. And because of the very tense election in the United States, it looks like Americans are still talking about how they want to move to Canada. Immigration lawyer Nathan McQuarrie is an American who helps people emigrate, and he says he's seeing a major uptick in people hoping to move to the Great White North and even renounce their citizenship. But it's not that easy. The most common way is to have a spouse or relative who already is living in Canada. The second way is tougher, and that's through your work, but it has to be the right kind of work. For example, nurses and other healthcare workers typically have an easier path into Canada. Radio announcers, not so much. It's also not cheap. You have to have money in the bank to qualify. Macquarie says a single applicant hoping to relocate to Canada must have a minimum uh, generally of $12,960 in the bank to apply for permanent residency. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW and still to come we're talking concrete and when it comes to your home concrete matters. It's often a case of pay now or pay big later and you know I don't think we give concrete enough credit. We use it all the time. You might be standing on it right now. Your house is definitely standing on it, and that's pretty important. And right now uh, on Vancouver Consumer, it's Vic Balser from True Level Concrete, truelevelconcrete.ca. How are you doing, Vic? I'm doing great, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Now, we are going to talk concrete, and I think uh, concrete is something I don't think people pay enough attention to. Uh, Do you think that's true? I do. It's fairly foundational to to our existence here in modern society. 
Yeah, quite literally foundational. It's a foundational thing. Uh, and True Level Concrete uh, has been in the business a long time, and you look after people's homes. Uh, and uh, for a lot of people who own a home, the idea of foundation repair is quite daunting. But it doesn't have to be that big a deal. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't, right? Uh, correct. You, so what are the kinds of jobs that, uh, that are the most common for you? Uh, what, what do people see in their homes? Is it, is it because the doors aren't closing? Uh, what, what's the most common job for you guys? Okay, well, the most common job, actually, we have two branches of our particular business or that, that we deal with is where foundations have been uh, in failure or Usually it's the soils underneath the, fit, the foundation that is failing, and then the, the building starts to shift or move. Sometimes it's erosion, and when things um, move, they get put off level. Um, things get out of, out of alignment, and often you have doors or windows start um, jamming. People feel like they're walking on a, on a slope or they're having to walk uphill towards the other side of the room. Um, other times... Uh, there's the slabs that are of concern where they're patio slab, for instance, um, where the water is supposed to be moving away from the building when it rains. It's now being directed or funneled towards the building. Um, they might have tripping hazards um, that are occurring. And um, so these, these are all concerns that people bring to our attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, foundations of houses, what's the most common symptom? Like, what, what do you look for to make sure your, your foundation is in good shape? Are there warning signs? Yes, there certainly are. Um, sometimes, as you mentioned earlier, are sticking doors or windows. Um, the, uh, there's cracks above the, the doors and windows. There may be cracks in the drywall or for instance the brick if they have brick facing on the, on the home or on the um, commercial building the block work you start seeing the the stair step fracturing that's occurring there um, other times you, you literally can feel the slope in the building um, sometimes it's minor uh, an inch or two um, there's other times we've prepared some homes in the Vancouver area that for some reason were built on top of peat bogs up to 30 inches off level, which is pretty, pretty noticeable and pretty significant. Yeah. And, and so it, it has to do a lot with the soil. Am I right? That is correct. It's almost always the soil. Um, to give credit to builders, generally you're creating a structure. You plan to get off on, on the right foot. You make it level, you excavate things and you try to get down to a, a good base. Um, Sometimes that base gets undermined by erosion or a, a poor drainage system or some other factors that can come into play, or it's just built on very soft soils. Or we do live in a, a river delta here in the greater Vancouver area and parts of Vancouver Island where there's um, a lot of uh, water movement. And over the years and millennia, it's brought sands and soils and silt and building on some of those areas can at times be challenging and they continue to move and the buildings move with them. We're talking to Vic Balzer, who is uh, from True Level Concrete, a true family business, truelevelconcrete.ca. They've been in the business a long time. And uh, Vic, is there sort of a, a sort of 
a typical lifespan of a foundation of a house? Uh, do some last a lot longer than others, or is there a, a point in which work has to be done after, say, 50 years or something? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. Again, um, if the, the building is constructed on fairly competent soils and the uh, general practices of the day when they were constructing them um, were somewhat sound, the foundation will last uh, many decades, if not into you know, hundreds of years, as we see in some parts of Europe and other, uh, other parts of the world. Um, you expect that it's going to be a, a foundation that's going to be strong and stable for, for many, many decades and uh, time to come. However, there's times where um, there's a portion of the home that perhaps has been compromised by erosion. Um, it may have been that it was farmland and the, the, high, the high part of the hill got um, flattened off and that filled in the lower valleys or zones um, where there might have been ravines get filled up with soil and then you end up building on top of those areas and guess what the the area that had the fill material on it ends up um, being further compressed with time and gravity and water which we we do have a lot of on in uh, British Columbia and um, things settle things sink or things shift and move yeah and what about earthquakes I guess like the the earthquakes we've had recently or relatively recently have been these sort of minor earthquakes. Do they cause much damage? Um, they haven't caused very significant damage in the last couple of uh, decades that we've been at this business. Um, I can tell you that whenever there's a significant tremor, um, we do get a lot more phone calls. We do have people taking a look around their building or they start to see other um, fractures that have occurred in their, in their foundation. It, it was just that little bit of a shake that allowed some perhaps pre-existing situations to settle finally. And uh, especially with slabs where you have a patio or a basement floor slab, uh, perhaps a garage where it was sort of impinging along the, the foundation walls on the side and once there's a bit of a tremor, a little bit of a shake, a vibration, that slab then is allowed to um, to shift downwards because there was generally cavities and voids underneath that slab in the first place. We're talking concrete with Vic Balzer from True Level Concrete, uh, truelevelconcrete.ca, and we were just talking about earthquakes um, and uh, water and soil that isn't settled properly. What about th- things like tree roots is that something that you come up with a lot definitely uh, tree roots can be a real contributor to uh, a foundation's failure um, in that they uh, they look beautiful uh, on the home and on the property um, but they have to survive and that means pushing their roots out to where they can get a water source often that water source can be in the drain tile around the perimeter of a foundation the roots can get in there and literally bung it right up where the drain towel is no longer doing what it was intended to do. And especially if it has rainwater leaders from the roof coming down and you're trying to disperse that rainwater down to the city uh, storm sewer system. Once that drain towel gets um, bunged up or um, compromised, um, that water has to go somewhere. And often it, it undermines the existing foundation and it continues to move the, the fine sands and soils underneath the foundation 
and eventually the foundation settles. And then you'll start seeing the cracks and other things that we've been discussing earlier. And so does Vancouver have its own particular set of problems that, say, Ontario doesn't have? I believe um, it's pretty much across um, North America and not, and if not beyond. Um, we're a dealer for a, a larger company called Support Works, and um, there's about 130 dealers across North America. And um, definitely some areas will have more problems um, occurring. Um, but if you were to look at the map, it, it's pretty much dispersed across all, all of North America. Our water and the amount of rain that we occur uh, that occurs here in our area certainly is a contributor. Um, the North Shore, for instance, where those beautiful homes with views um, cut into the hillside, and that water has to go somewhere. So it starts undermining the low side of those buildings um, where one half is resting on rock or bedrock. The other side is on other materials that may not be quite as competent, and eventually they do settle. So uh, the rain is a a big contributor to um, these problems in British Columbia. So what's the worst you've ever seen? Uh, Like a a, a chimney at a 45-degree angle or a house (laughs) falling off a hill? We've seen some very interesting chimneys, um, ones that you don't feel that comfortable walking underneath, that they definitely (laughs) pose a bit of a safety concern, uh, especially if there were to be a a more significant tremor or something along those lines. Um, 45 degrees is a little extreme, uh, (laughs) but we have seen them where at the top of the chimney um, where you uh, would have a seven to eight inch gap between the chimney and and the wall at the roof line. Um, And so we do repair those and lift and and restabilize those uh, chimneys and foundation areas. As far as homes go, uh, the one home in particular in in um, uh, Vancouver, um, that one had about a 30-inch slope to the home. So the, the kids in that one had a bit of a hard time playing marbles. They all <laughs> ended up in the same spot. Wow. I yep, guess that's when, inches. that's when you know to call True Level Concrete. Go to mm-hmm. trulevelconcrete.ca. Uh, you can talk to Vic uh, or you can talk to Cal because you're, you're a family business. You're like two families. You've been in business a long time. Tell us about the history of True Level Concrete. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, My business partner, Cal Workington, and myself, uh, we started out uh, um, as framers and um, constructing foundations. Um, That was about uh, 33 years ago. And um, so we've been together for a a long time, and um, we thoroughly enjoyed um, building and construction work. Uh, We became builders where we were... um, building new homes we were um, doing other other construction work and foundations and when one of the recessions came in the the mid 90s um, we decided that we would go into something that was a little more recession proof and went into um, you know the repair and the restoration of um, concrete foundations and slabs and we got into it that way and so for the last uh, 21 uh, working on 22 years, we've been doing strictly uh, foundation repairs and slab repairs, um, but we do bring uh, um, a 40-year history since high school into um, into the business, knowing and understanding how construction works. So, do you ever get calls from uh, you know from people who you know like have a bridge or, or something that you don't usually work on, but you will make an exception? 
we have done some some civic work um, as far as the, the really big big um, civic work whether it's a, a hospital and so forth we haven't gotten into that uh, that game at all yet um, but we do mainly work on um, residential and commercial buildings um, we've done some quite significant commercial buildings that have been uh, undergoing settlement or have a lot of warehouse floor slab issues with cavities and hollows underneath mm-hmm. yeah and lots of slabs so outside slabs sidewalks those kind of things yes yeah warehouse floors sidewalks pool decks um rear patios or driveways um parking zones yeah we work on all of those True Level Concrete is who we're talking to, Vic Balzer. He's uh, one of the founders of True Level. And uh, you can go to truelevelconcrete.ca. And when we come back, we are going to talk about some of the technology that Vic uses. Uh, and it's, it's pretty impressive. It's really, if you go to their website at truelevelconcrete.ca, you can see some videos of the kind of hydraulic equipment that they use to raise and to level concrete. And uh, I was on your website, uh, Vic, uh, truelevelconcrete.ca, and you've got some interesting videos there about some of the equipment that you use, this hydraulic equipment. I'm guessing in the, in the decades that you've been doing this, uh, the technology has changed quite a bit, has it not? Uh, yeah, the, the technology has changed. Hydraulics have been around for a long time, uh, a very long time, in fact. But um, being able to utilize them with something um, and in the type of work that we do in repairing or stabilizing buildings has been uh, pretty amazing. And um, the hydraulics are used as a, as a method to exert a, a lot of force and to be able to lift and stabilize buildings. Um, using the hydraulic systems. And so how often do you go into an existing house that might have a foundation problem and actually raise the part of that house? Well, in our, in our business, um, it means that we're going into them on a, on a daily basis. Um, you know, uh, people reach out to us and call us when they have problems, uh, when their foundation or their home is uh, settling. Their building is settling, and uh, so on a daily basis, uh, that's all we do. We fix uh, broken homes and buildings. Wow. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, growing up in Richmond, uh, our house got lifted. We had a, like a bungalow house, mm-hmm. and then they lifted the house, and we lived in the house while they did this. And they, they lifted it, and, now, and then it became a two-level house. <laughs> uh, it, it was sort of amazing what they did. And uh, I guess, it, I don't think they had the kind of uh, techno- technological equipment you have, but uh, do you do any of that kind of work? Uh, no, we don't actually do the, the house raising. Um, there are a few contractors that do that where they'll give you an extra, uh, a better view and uh, an extra foot, uh, a whole floor underneath there. Um, we don't do that, but the technology involved with um, lifting things um, is is a bit similar. Um, they, in the end, will be using hydraulic rams that uh, put them at key points or beams underneath the home, and will be lifting the house, you know, incrementally until finally they can have enough room to to build a, a a new foundation underneath it or to do whatever they're planning to do. In our business, we use hydraulics to um, to push piles or, um, you know, uh, high-grade galvanized steel tubes through the poor soils that are part of the problem of when a building is settling, 
and um, we first use that to press the piles through the soil. And then when we've driven all the piles that are necessary to lift and stabilize a building, we then put hydraulic jacks on each and every one of the piles and exert pressure and literally lift that building up with the hydraulic piles back to its, you know, its optimum level and um, lock it off, remove the hydraulic systems from it, and then that building will be permanently supported on a new deep foundation. That's, in your case, you're referring to Richmond. We've done a fair amount of work in the Richmond area, and most of the piles that we put in place are somewhere between 30 to 40 feet long um, in order to get the amount, the amount of resistance necessary to, to lift and stabilize the buildings. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Richmond soil, they often talk about if there's an earthquake, Richmond will have some, like a serious earthquake, Richmond will have some problems. I mean, are there, are the jobs really different if you're in Richmond as opposed to, say, in, uh, you know, North Vancouver or something? The, the tools we work with are very similar. Um, you know, the hydraulic systems and the brackets that get attached to the building um, and then are part of the permanent repair and stabilizing of it. Those are similar. The amount of depth that you'll press a pile or screw a pile into the soils below will vary uh, depending on how, how much resistance or how firm the soils are. Um, obviously, Richmond's silt and sand, and so you need to be prepared to, to create a deeper foundation there on the North Shore, which you mentioned. Um, those are often not very deep as a result that it's a, a hillside on a mountain and a lot of rock, and it's usually one side of the home or certain areas of the home that are settled, and those don't go down nearly so far. But the, the equipment, the, the parts and pieces are the same. We're talking concrete with Vic Balzer from truelevelconcrete.ca, truelevelconcrete.ca. And for people who have a home and they may be wondering, they're not 100% sure, uh, what should we look for uh, in terms of a foundation failure? What are the symptoms? What are the warning signs? The warning signs um, would be... um, cracks it's often there's cracks involved um, around the doors and windows Um, all of a sudden that door continues to get really sticky and you can't open it Um, windows that what used to open freely don't anymore there might be gaps as well for instance on a chimney where uh, um, there's a gap uh, between the building and the actual chimney sometimes there's birds nesting in there and making a great nice little warm home for themselves there um, there's other issues. Sometimes you just can feel a general slope to the building. Some foundations are built very strong, um, and they won't show any cracks in the windows or doors, but you can very obviously feel that things are off level. And those are foundations that are built, um, as you mentioned earlier, in the Richmond or some areas built onto peat bogs where it's literally a floating raft slab and the whole foundation starts to tilt um, you know in basically one direction and it's very obvious that it's settling the windows <laughs> the uh, the blinds in the windows don't uh, they, they stay plumb or the chandelier but you can tell the house is off level significantly <laughs> yeah the chandelier is one direction yep uh, yeah uh, what about cracks you sometimes quite often you see cracks in the house foundation is that something that might not be a problem 
that's right. There are cracks that are fairly typical of foundations. A lot of foundations are created um, when they're built that they don't actually have reinforcement steel in them. Um, this allows that the foundation to to stretch or to shrink at different times of the of the year, the climate, or the age of the building, and they call these basically shrinkage cracks. Now they'll be quite small, from hairline up to you know slightly bigger, maybe a thirty second of an inch, um, but they're uniform, they're even. Um, it's when a crack is wider at the top than it is at the bottom, or vice versa. Um, that's when you start getting ideas that, or the inclination to say that something's not moving uniformly and um, you have some settlement in one area over another. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. We're talking concrete, true level concrete, truelevelconcrete.ca with Vic Balzer. And uh, you talk a lot about its, its foundation work that you do, but also slab work. And, yes. what, and describe what, what, is, what do you mean by a slab? Okay, a slab being a, a sheet or a slab of concrete. Um, a lot of homes in the uh, Vancouver area um, or most areas in North America have concrete. Um, it's used on their patios, it's used in our driveways, it's used in our walkways, and often it's used as um, in, our, in our basements or the main level of our, our homes, foundations, or in our warehouses. That's called slab-on-grade. So those slabs can develop um, movement. Uh, the, the, the soils underneath the slab can be eroded. It can be compressed, or if the construction practice wasn't as thorough as it should have been, the soils will shrink, they'll get wet, um, they'll, factors will change, and the slabs will move. So we repair those. We actually lift them and stabilize them without actually having to break them into little pieces and remove and replace them. Right. And, and moving, lifting that kind of big thing sounds very, uh, l- very extensive, like uh, expensive, but it, it doesn't have to be uh, an invasive job. You can do small jobs too, right? Yes. Yeah. It's not uncommon for us to uh, do small work where you've got a single trip hazard at the, at the front of your home where you'll greet people um, coming to visit or the postman uh, and so forth. So that can be a, a safety factor. There's other times where um, around a pool deck, for instance, you can have multiple um, tripping hazards where people could uh, hurt, their, hurt their bare feet or stumble and trip on something. Um, often in a basement, you, have, you can feel the uneven floors. And um, so we do repairs to that. And it doesn't need to, it, it, it's, it's not a very invasive um, scenario. Um, the whole purpose of doing a lift is to use the integrity of the slab and to lift it back into its proper position. It's the soil under the slab that has settled. And we do that with a process called poly-level um, foam injection. It's where we drill small holes about the size of your little finger. Um, and into those we put ports, attach uh, a, a, a foam injection gun where it basically creates the product and it creates a high-density very lightweight and waterproof foam which gets injected underneath the slab it's an expanding foam and so as it's injected in and you do this very methodically uh, and you basically ease the slab back up into its proper or original positions uh, with the expansion and the infilling of the foam underneath it that's very cool so 
underneath a lot of these slabs, there are some uh, big spaces where like a family of raccoons could live or something. Uh, yeah, we do come across that on some front entrances that are that are built um, with a slab, and, and um, there's times when these soils uh, settled quite a bit, and um, you can have, uh, you know, from inches to more than inches uh, of cavity and void, and um, you've got some renters in there that aren't paying rent, so... Uh, um, those those kind of holes need to be um, closed up just to avoid that that kind of situation. Yeah. Another reason to call True Level Concrete at truelevelconcrete.ca. Vic Balzer has been our guest, and uh, you guys are are going strong uh, despite COVID. You you practice some some pretty serious protocols, but you're still going out and uh, and uh, seeing doing tons of work. Yes, uh, in fact, uh, COVID has kept so many people home and working from their home offices and seeing the um, situations around their home that we've been extremely busy with uh, meeting the needs and demands of our customers calling um, to get uh, quotations and uh, proper written proposals for having this type of work done. Um, it's, it's been good. People have been wanting to get these things finally fixed. And um, it's been an opportunity for, um, you know, in, in spite of the, the, the challenges that COVID has brought, um, you know, you make the adjustments with your staff and keeping, keeping things safe, all the different safety protocols that are in place. But we're also very interested in making people's homes and businesses safe as well um, by getting their concrete or their foundations repaired. Well, thank you so much, Vic. Uh, it was uh, fun talking to you about concrete. Thank you. I enjoyed uh, sharing that with you as well. All right. Vic Balzer from True Level Concrete. Uh, TrueLevelConcrete.ca is where you can go. Uh, whether it's a small job or a big job, True Level Concrete are the people to talk to. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, and we're coming back. It's time to ask Andrew next. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time now for Ask Andrew. That's where we talk to Andrew Ferrara, our producer extraordinaire here on Vancouver Consumer. And uh, Andrew, you are uh, you, you're very concerned about transportation in Vancouver, getting around. It's not always that easy. No, it's not always easy, and I feel like it ought to be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I really like where the city of North Vancouver is going with this. Um, you've probably seen the Moby bikes in and around Vancouver and the downtown peninsula and kind of out towards False Creek. And I know other cities and municipalities have their own kind of independent bike shares. Yeah, those bike shares are great. Uh, they're 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 great to have, but uh, you know, pedaling around sometimes has its problems. Exactly. And so North Vancouver is looking to begin a two-year pilot project for the very first electric bike share uh, program. And when I saw this, my first reaction was North Van is almost literally the perfect place to trial this because North Van is hills. Yes. And cycling up those hills, cycling up Lonsdale, trying to get into upper Lonsdale is a nightmare fuel. Yeah. It, it hurts. And I don't like it, and I'm a weak man. Uh, so it, I really do. I know there are people out there who are going to be going, uh, come on, man, do better. No, it, it hurts, and I don't like it. I used to work in this building many years ago over at Rock 101 on the morning show, and I used to ride my bike to work at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. And it was great because it was all downhill on oh, the way there. Geez. But on the way home, it was uh, all uphill. 
And uh, an electric bike would have been great. Yeah, so I think this is the perfect uh, you know place to do it. So the city's going to allocate $50,000 in funding to support the creation of device staging in public areas and parking areas. So those are just the bike racks, essentially what they're trying to say here. Uh, they're going to, you know, here's 50 grand, you know, design and build. Um, you know, and because these are electric bikes, not only will they have to, you know, the, your Moby racks that we have in downtown, uh, they're already powered, but they're only really powered for lights and a couple other things. But these ones will really have to be connected to the grid because they'll be charging yeah. these electric bikes um, in order to make them work. So I think that's really, really cool uh, going forward. Uh, this will, again, be the first uh, electric-assisted fleet of regular bikes um, in BC. And, you know, along with the pending kind of um, lime scooters, uh, scooters are another kind of point of contention. Uh, I believe Kelowna has their own electric scooter um, like scooter share program and those as well can find a lot of use especially in that kind of last mile is what they like to call it the last mile between major transit and your home because not everyone is lucky enough uh, to be able to live you know within a five ten minute walk of you know either a major bus exchange or a major transit station or something like that so a lot of people are looking towards these last mile solutions you know Moby is more of a uh, if you live in the downtown core and the surrounding Falls Creek area, that's more of your, you could almost use it as an everyday commute thing if you're in the right spot. But these kind of electric bike slash like lime scooter type things are more of a last mile or super personal, really flexible mobility option. Kind of in the same way that for car sharing here in Vancouver, we've got, you know, your Evos which you can kind of pick up and drop off wherever more or less you want to go as long as it's within a zone versus your, you know, for instance, moto co-op where you've got set times between where you have to pick it up and drop it off. And there are certain literal like designated parking spots for you. And I think that in order to make, you know, the lower mainland an easy enough around an easy enough place to get around in, uh, we've got the beginnings of what should be, uh, you know, a good mass transit backbone that will hopefully soon be extended into Langley and then in the next, you know, decade out to UBC. And then out of side of that, we've got a good bus system besides what people will tell you. Uh, trust me, you listen to people who have ridden the TTC and, you know, once they go from the TTC to TransLink, they wonder why they ever complain in the first place. But I do believe that, you know, these last mile solutions, Lime scooters, electric bikes, all that stuff are the future. Well, those electric bikes are fun. They are. They make it so much easier. Yeah, they're cool. Everybody I know is getting them. Uh, it, that is uh, Andrew Ferreira, our producer of Vancouver Consumer. And ask Andrew, stick around when we come back. It's advice for 2021. How to look after your nest egg when we talk to the folks at Macmillan Estate Planning. That's next when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.